Hello and welcome to Visual Novel Radio. My name is Ive and here at VNR I read and review visual novels independent of age and fame. There are many stories out there waiting to be experienced, but finding them takes a significant time investment. I've read many visual novels over the years and have seen a lot of trash, but I've also stumbled upon hidden gems which have left me with unforgettable memories that will be with me for the rest of my life. On this podcast I want to share some of those experiences with you and hope that you find these stories just as enjoyable as I did. In this episode I will talk about Highway Blossoms. Highway Blossoms is a western-style Yuri romance kinetic novel developed and published by Alien Works in 2016. The story is set in the American Southwest with a female main character who travels through the country in her late grandfather's RV. She picks up a hitchhiker, another girl around her age, whose car broke down and they soon embark on a treasure hunt from multiple states and locations while developing feelings for each other along the way. I found out about this game a few days after it was released from an entry on a Yuri-themed blog and was immediately intrigued by the art style. It looked a little bit like the usual anime style, but was sufficiently different to catch my attention. I found out that it was an original English language visual novel, also abbreviated as OELVN, meaning its origin was not Japan. Yes, those visual novels exist but many of them are even less popular than their Japanese counterparts. The game sold at a very cheap price point of about 10 euro, so I decided to give it a try and headed over to Steam before coming to my senses and looking elsewhere for an uncensored release. I found the game on Denpasoft for the same price and promptly bought and downloaded it. Highway Blossoms is a kinetic novel, meaning that there are no choices to make for the player. The story just unfolds and is there to be experienced. There are the regular options present in almost every visual novel nowadays like text speed, opacity and text skipping, as well as volume settings. It is not possible to set the individual voice volume levels though, as they are all adjusted by the same slider. The initial release version of the game did not feature voice acting, but Studio Elan released an updated version about a year later with some improvements, including a fully voiced main cast. The game allows switching the language from English to Russian or Chinese and features a toggle to enable or disable adult content, which boils down to two age scenes if the patch is installed. 
There is also a goofball mode, which changes parts of the game to be funnier, but I found the attempted humor somewhat lacking and did not finish the game with that setting on. Besides that, there are some subtle pop culture references, one of them even quoting Bob Ross. Since I played the game without character voices, I assigned a certain voice in my head to each character, how I imagined they would sound. After replaying the game using the updated version, the voices differed so much from my idea of them, that I simply could not put up with them and turn the voice volume all the way down. I don't think the voice acting is bad, but I found it a bit uninspired and particularly Amber's voice sounded quite dull and boring. The music, however, was wonderful. All of the tracks are a mix of typical romance novel music with a touch of western-style sounds which fit the theme and environment perfectly. Most tracks feature some guitar strumming and even electric guitar riffs giving the game more of that American flair. Each track emphasizes the scene very well, and the main themes are a joy to listen on their own as well. Especially the ending track, The Bear Prayer by Letter Tramp, really rounds out the story, but is unfortunately not featured in the original soundtrack. The game generally shines in the graphics department, but does show little imperfections sometimes. Funny enough, these add to the theme in a positive way and make the visuals a unique experience. The character sprites are well drawn, but are not quite up to the quality of the higher budget Japanese titles. This does not detract from the experience though, and they still feature a few different facial expressions to color each scene appropriately. The backgrounds and CGs range from great to stunning, and some are truly wallpaper worthy on their own, while others just look fantastic in the game and improve immersion massively. If I had any real complaints, it would be about the character writing. The only really developed character is the main protagonist, Amber. She has an interesting backstory and her reasons for doing things her way are explained very well. All other characters only get very basic descriptions, if any, which makes them appear a little shallow. The other main character, Marina, gets a little background information, but even that is just enough to get the general idea of why she acts like she does. It would have been nice to establish the other characters better, given that there are only a handful of them in the story. The story starts with the main character Amber driving her RV, a mobile home, along a road in the desert near Roswell. She recently lost her grandfather, who was her only family for the last 10 years, to an illness and is on her way to fulfill his last wish. While she listens to his favorite song on the radio's cassette deck, she comes across a car on the side of the road with a girl standing next to it and waving frantically. Snapping out of her thoughts, Amber slams the brakes and reverses to the scene. The girl introduces herself as Marina and is incredibly thankful to Amber for stopping. Amber is a bit overwhelmed with Marina's joyful and energetic character but eventually asks what the problem is. Marina, not being very knowledgeable about cars, has no clue and Amber decides to take a look herself. She becomes inwardly upset as she notices that the car is just out of gas. Holding back her comment about the stupidity of this girl, she offers to take her to the next gas station to get some fuel and bring her back to her car. After a short ride to the gas station, Amber and Marina get the gas and something to drink when they realize that Marina left her wallet in her car 
along with her cell phone. A little annoyed, but not really angry, Amber is fine with paying for both, and they wait until the shopkeeper is finished with the previous customer. It's another girl roughly their age, with a somewhat rude and unrefined attitude, which prompts Amber to immediately dislike her. She is accompanied by a man and a much younger girl, and they leave the shop without much interaction with Amber and Marina. Once it is their turn to pay, the shopkeeper asks Amber and Marina if they are also here for the treasure. Marina keeps silent and Amber has no idea, so he explains that a journal was found belonging to someone from around 150 years ago, who took part in the gold rush and found a sizable amount. The journal has been recently made public and it is filled with hints pointing to where his gold stashes might be hidden. This has sparked a massive treasure hunt with thousands of people participating and digging at various locations, hoping to get rich. Amber does not buy a word of this and is sure that the whole thing is a big hoax, but Marina believes in the treasure, or at least wants to. In fact, this is the reason why she came out to the desert, albeit completely unprepared. On their way out, the shopkeeper gives them a free copy of the journal and they make their way back to Marina's car. When they arrive at the location, they notice that the car is gone, apparently stolen, along with all of Marina's belongings inside. Amber has no intention of abandoning Marina on the road and offers to take her home, even if it is a little bit out of the way for her, but Marina refuses. She begs Amber to at least take her to the first location of the treasure and will continue on her own from there. Reluctantly, Amber agrees and they make their way to Shiprock in New Mexico. On the way to Shiprock they talk a bit more about various things and Amber accidentally mentions some personal things to Marina. Before her grief threatens to overcome her, she manages to compose herself and stops the car to take a night's rest before they continue in the morning, thus avoiding to show her feelings. What follows are some flashbacks to Amber's past and life with her grandfather. Eventually morning comes and they make their way to the destination. A huge crowd is already gathered at Shiprock as it was seemingly easy to figure out the first location. Amber and Marina meet Maria, the girl from the gas station and her group again. After an initially friendly chat and introductions, Tess, Maria's younger sister, joins in and brings a collection of license plates. Among those, her most recent find is a New Mexico license plate that belonged to an old rusty car abandoned next to the road, suspiciously close to where Marina's car broke down. Once they make the connection, Amber is furious with them for scrapping Marina's car, but Marina herself is not really bothered that much by it. Joseph, the third member of Maria's group, apologizes profusely and even forces the bad-mannered Maria to say sorry. The pair leaves for some lunch and they discuss what to do next and how to deal with Marina's situation. Their talk at the diner gets quite lively and as they talk about the treasure, Amber realizes that she knows the place described in the journal. Taking a shot at finding it, they head back to Maria's RV and ask to borrow some equipment from them as compensation for scrapping Marina's car. They receive some shovels and a metal detector and make their way to the place during the night. Once they sneak past the park rangers, they begin the search. They scan the area for a while with the metal detector and find only bottle caps and similar trash at first. Marina suggests to call it a night and resume the search fresh in the morning, 
but Amber is against that, as it would mean that they would be discovered easier in the daylight. So they agree to continue, and soon Marina's metal detector starts beeping louder than before. Amber starts digging and finds a small wooden box. As they open it, they realize it is full of little gold nuggets. Amber cannot believe it at first, but quickly realizes that the journal is authentic and that the gold really exists. This boosts their motivation and they decide to look for the other parts of the treasure together. In the morning they are visited by Maria and her group. Maria has come to get her equipment back, but is beyond dumbfounded once Amber and Marina show her the treasure. She stomps out of their RV and Joseph explains the situation and her character a bit more. In the end, he lets them keep the equipment as a token of apology and the rest of the group leaves. From here on out, a wild goose chase for the gold begins as Amber and Marina compete with Maria and her group for the other locations. The hunt sometimes proves successful and other times not so much, but with each passing event, Amber and Marina's relationship deepens. They stand together at the bridge over the Grand Canyon and watch the sunset in the Valley of Fire. These scenes, accompanied by the wonderful music, truly warm the reader's heart. Amber and Marina's relationship experiences its ups and downs over the few days that follow. They get closer with each interaction and even when things don't go their way, Marina never fails to lighten the mood and cheer Amber up. The build-up to their first kiss is orchestrated so well that the moment when it happened drove tears to my eyes, even after reading it the second time around. Later in the story, some things happen that threaten to break them both apart but they overcome it in a similarly lovely way and grow stronger together than before. During all that, Amber deals with the loss of her grandfather and has a few moments where she cannot hide her feelings anymore. Marina, who grew up in a large family, knows well how to deal with that and manages to ease her suffering every time and make her smile again. Near the end of the story, Amber also makes peace with the death of her only real family member and learns to lean on Marina for support. The story concludes in a happy ending with a touching moment of true love, leaving the reader with a warm feeling in their heart as the credits start to roll. Amber's and her grandfather's favorite band, which cassette she listens through almost the entirety of the story, is a fictional unnamed group. The music, however, is based on Steve Howe's band Yes, which was formed in 1968 and is still active to this day. The song How is Guitar is a clear reference to that. Highway Blossoms could have been one of the many Yuri Roman's love stories, where the focus was to entertain the male audience and little more. Despite the premise and some very obvious fan service, like Maria's outfit, the story managed to become so much more than the sum of its parts. It was a journey of loss, anger, happiness and romance wrapped in a six hour long visual novel that clearly had much love put into it and truly shows off the power of Yuri.
experiencing Amber's and Marina's story was like watching the sunrise and sunset in the Southern American's desert. It had warm and happy times, flashing action scenes and dreamy moments at the campfire. When listening to Howard's guitar while looking at the stars, it is possible to imagine our own happiness waiting for us on the side of the road. The greatest gift we can give is the gift of time. With this I am very happy that you are still listening and hope you enjoyed the podcast. I aim to release a new episode each month and would be happy to have you tune in again. Please subscribe to VNR to be notified when a new episode launches. With that I say goodbye until next time.